Podcasting. I am one of your hosts, Lane Carney Hefner. I'm the other one of your hosts, Chris Pruitt. Well, Keeping up with tradition of like, what's that mean? Who knows? We'll figure it out maybe. Um, we are all on staff of Drunk Monkeys. It is a monthly uh, literary journal. We do not publish in December. So it's 11 eclectic issues a year. Uh, the October issue we will be working on. It should be out on the 17th. We have the September issue still going strong. We will be open for submissions probably later on. To, by the time you listen to this, because I'm going to open it later on tonight, we are also reading for our chapbook uh, section, which is Cherry Dress Chapbooks. We're, um, we have a 200 submission cap. So once we hit that, uh, you know, that they'll be closed until I open them back up and we'll be picking something around the holidays. Our first book, uh, Gloom of Excruciating Desires, is out by Olivia Pierce Graham. It is beautiful, a collection of erasure poems um, using Nabokov's Lolita as the source material. It is gorgeous and um, we will link it on our Twitter account so you can order it if you would like to. I'm really proud of it. It was the first time I ever published somebody else's book. So thank you to Olivia for allowing me <laughs> to do that. Uh, I think it came out really good. She is very happy with it and it, it, it's a really beautiful collection. So uh, I will be linking. So we'll open for that. We'll be open for everything except poetry and fiction. 24-hour submissions will be open for those categories, but keep in mind, you will be waiting a while before you show up on the site, though. It won't be a year anymore. We finally caught up, <laughs> and it's a lot better now. Um, and we will be closed at the end of November for the rest of the year, reopening sometime in 2023. And that is that. So let's get into it. I think we have a special guest to uh, bring on yeah. Mike to open this episode. We do. Um, okay, so this episode is notable in the <laughs> with the fact that uh, guest star Billy Zane finally shows up. Uh, it, it, you yeah. get spoiled in the opening credits. It says special guest star right. Billy Zane. Billy. Trading one, out goes one of God's most beautiful humans and in comes another. I know, good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> yeah, lots of stuff happening in this episode. Billy Zane, yeah. notable uh, moment. And we have a, a bit of a special guest. I'm going to get him set up so he can be, you know, on with us and tell us the story. It is my husband, the one and only Fritz Hefner. Yeah. And he's got a Billy Zane story that is really losing. So I'm going to mute myself. You guys feel <laughs> chat while I get him ready and he will pop in to Zoom and go from there. One second. This is exciting. The, he the came Prince, to mind. Prince consort himself. Yeah. <laughs> I remember him texting me this. I was on a road trip somewhere and I, I was texting idly with Colleen about something. And I remember mentioning the Billy Zane Phantom movie. I think I had just watched it or something uh, because it's a fucking insane movie. Um, and then she was like, okay, hold on. Fritz has a Billy Zane story. And then he just started <laughs> texting me paragraphs and paragraphs of text uh, yeah. following that. It's a good story. So uh, he is signing on now. He'll be here any minute. So um, I'm admitting I, him to the Zoom. This is really good audio yeah. content to talk it through. <laughs> maybe, maybe where was the Phantom be... at the end of Avengers Endgame? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Fritzy, you're muted. Unmute yourself. There you go. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hey guys. You want to hear your Billy Zane story? <laughs> Uh, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> He's our, he might be our biggest fan. Yeah. <laughs> so I have like a, a whole bunch of like mediocre celebrity sighting stories. 
right? And this is one of them. Like, so my friend has this amazing, like, long, wavy mermaid hair, right? And the kind of hair that's like a blessing and a curse because everyone's like, ooh, nice hair. But like, it like takes an insane amount of product to like maintain. So uh, I'm out with her and some friends at this like hair product boutique shop, right? <laughs> and I'm just sitting there, I was like, I haven't, I don't recognize any of these things, right? This isn't VO5. This isn't Pantene Pro-V. And uh, at the checkout counter is Billy Zane with his <laughs> arms filled with like, he had to have had like 10 or 15 different like things he was buying, right? But Billy Zane didn't have any hair. <laughs> he was completely, his hair was, it was shaved. Yeah, I so I was like, it's shaved. I think he just doesn't have hair. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I uh, it's he's been like a while. Close yeah. cropped kind of like, you know, <laughs> but like definitely not the kind of thing. Like, like my friend had like maybe two things. This dude was like definitely like 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 I don't know what he was like. Was he hoping for something? Was he like <laughs> maintaining like his eyebrows very well? I don't know. Just doing some alchemy with these. Right. Like maybe it'll <laughs> come back. Magic. Is he just like making like little like like shampoo horns? <laughs> like um, I was, but that, but that's the thing. Like I just saw saw it and was like, huh. Didn't ask anything about it, but like I think about it all the time. I look at like a bottle of shampoo. I'm like, yeah, like Billy Zane. <laughs> Well, what, it's funny because what's notable in this episode is his hair looks great. <laughs> yeah, looks right. Incredible. Yeah, once it upon a time, a he had a for him at great head hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks so. It's just so funny. <laughs> he just, oh God, God love him. I wonder what he yeah. could have gotten him on the show. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, someday we'll see Billy Zane walking down the street with like an Airedale with like the silkiest hair you've ever seen. <laughs> He did it. It was the products. The, yeah. The best products in the world. Oh, it was not for him, but for someone he cared about. Yes. Oh, maybe he is. Yeah. Maybe he has a loved one in his life with also like beautiful hair. So. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Brits. Thank you. Yes, Chris. thank you. Love that. Thank you guys. Love the show. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon. You're halfway through season two. More than halfway. It's it's More it's than- almost gonna be good again. Yeah, keep yeah, saying like, "Oh, we're almost done," and like, there's seven episodes left. <laughs> yeah, but the last few are a. The last few are actually kind of good, <laughs> and b. Like, you know, the problem is we take three months before recording. That's well, so. fair point. Yeah, well, I, I can't uh, shit on Twin Peaks for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually changed the bio in our Twitter to say a very sporadic. <laughs> Twin Peaks podcast. We do take our sweet time. But At least we're honest. Up. At least we're honest. Yeah. Yeah. We're honest. And also, uh, really quickly, I wanted to let you guys know, if you do come here for Wingsgiving next month, <laughs> like very exclusive and small, our former guest, Aaron Cohen, might be here. Oh, nice. He's going to be in Los Angeles during that time. And he was like, I will come to Wingsgiving. And I was yeah. like, fucking do it, dude. It's just wow, you're, putting it, you're putting it on blast on the podcast. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not but editing this out. <laughs> full, no, full court press. Yeah, Everyone will be there. Be, everyone else should be jealous. Yeah, everybody else should be like, "What's Wingsgiving?" Oh my god! <laughs> we'll go into it at a, in a closer to Wingsgiving episode. Anyway, right. <laughs> okay. So the condemned woman. Here we go. Um, we start the episode with a close up of this like owl statue, <laughs> and I love it. And um, then, and then we immediately get the slow pan across the chessboard to open because we live in hell and are being eternally punished for our moments <laughs> of doubt and sin. Um, this is this is what. This is what a lot of the back half of season two is like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just uh, don't don't forget. It's like that. Hello, Mister Thompson. But about chess, <laughs> like Simpsons bit where it's like we're really yeah. 
home the fact that there's a chess thing happening here. Um, they're listening to a message from Wyndham. Um, it's it's like a voiceover, and he's like, "Coop, you better better put something in the paper by tomorrow, and uh, make some smart moves, or else you know people are gonna get like the whole thing is like if a chess piece is." removed from the board somebody dies so they're like trying to att attempt to not do that it's very stupid <laughs> it's it's i believe it's supposed to be a continuation or to some degree a repeat of the tape that was playing under the carolyn death mask at the end of the prior episode right. um and and the setup is he's playing it for uh Coop is playing the tape for uh harry truman to hear at the sheriff's office um it's a very like hilariously like catching you up on things uh <laughs> moment where it's got like the death death mask is right next to the chessboard on the table coops using his own personal little tape recording device to play the thing and it's like we've got as you say the owl statue we've got the in case you forgot about everything that's in twin peaks <laughs> every single bit of it is on harry's desk here in this shot i'm surprised they weren't like man <laughs> Remember when Leland killed Laura? Yeah. <laughs> photo, a photo of Leland just randomly yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And like, when, like, I'm not letting you out of my sight. Or No, no, no. I'm sorry. Uh, Harry's like, I'm not letting you out of my sight. Coop. And like gives him googly eyes, which I think is very sweet. Because like, they're like, this is getting dangerous. But what I really liked about this was I've, I've had this sort of like idea that <laughs> doing this whole thing through like local papers is hilarious to me. Like, you know, they just like call the paper and put a thing in. It's really and good. Just like, you know, I just think of like your random Twin Peaks, like resident looking at the paper being like, what the fuck? Like looking at the class being like, what? The inevitable remake, it's going to be like, post a tweet indicating your move. <laughs> Make a TikTok with doing <laughs> uh, the actual chess moves. But, but what I like is like, they finally loop the paper in, in this episode with like, okay, call the paper. What is the latest that we can get an ad in the paper? <laughs> like, you know, like in the workings of like local. <laughs> yeah, there's a really, really good Lucy line in this scene associated with it, because as as we established pre in the previous episode and have not mentioned at all up to that point. Uh, Pete Martell is a chess master um, and a real student of the historical games, as we'll come to find out. Um, and uh, so. Harry picks up the phone and he's like, he's like, all right, Lucy, here's what I need you to do. I need you to call Pete, get him over here to help us come up with a chess move. And I also need you to call the paper and ask them when the absolute last possible second we can put a move in is. And she goes, quote, paper and Pete, got it. I'll do it alphabetically. <laughs> Incredible. He's like, thank you. She had her cute little voice. I thought that that was a really cute line. She's not even on screen in this episode. She just no. has several brief, like, little voiceover moments. Like yeah, that. yeah, and I love them. So, um, so yes, they're going to, you know, figure this all out. They're going to wrangle Pete. There's a lot of good Pete stuff in this episode. A lot of good Pete. In, in yeah. fact, this leads directly into some good Pete stuff. Yeah. We cut away. Yeah, here. we actually cut from here um, to the Martell house. And Catherine is sitting at the kitchen table with her brother, Andrew. <clears throat> and Pete is like, <laughs> like whipping up a meal and like <laughs> waltzes over with a plate and he has like created a, a scene on the plate. It's like a dog's face using eggs and toast for the ears and like bacon for like the mouth and tongue. And like Andrew is like, ah, like just 
rip roaring laughter. He like, fucking loves it, dude. He's he like, this it. is the funniest shit I've ever seen. And Pete and Andrew it's are like, very, <laughs> very and, like uh, Lucille or whatever from yeah. Arrested Development, when she sees Jean Parmesan and she's like, <laughs> like it's like that vibe. And it cuts to Catherine with the best, are you fucking kidding me face? Like it holds it, it holds it for like a beat. And she's like, <laughs> yeah and then she sends pete away she's like bring us the salt and pepper oh, oh. and andrew's like what the fuck is your problem pete rules and yeah. she, and, and she, he, he what he actually says is pete is a prince of a man and Catherine says more like a court jester really good scene it's like I, it's like man have they done a bad job about making me care about this andrew packard stuff but like i do love this interaction here. yeah no this and then there's another one later like yeah andrew- actually kind of high key rules his he's pretty good in this episode yeah all the way through his work is good his voice is so hilarious and her his energy in this scene very much remind not to bring the simpsons back up but uh, very much reminded me of that like when lisa has the mumps and she's watching like the (laughs) the soap opera and they're like i thought you were dead and he's like i was (laughs) (laughs) that's like what that's that's his whole vibe this entire episode it's like really good and it's it's really cute um i did I did notice that the salt and pepper shakers are, are racist. Races. Yes, I wrote the same thing. I wrote racist salt and pepper shakers <laughs> yeah, on my notes. Like the Americana, like mammy, like yeah. shakers. I was like, guys, I was rooting for you. Well, I was yeah. rooting for Catherine, but I was rooting for Pete. I'm just assume those are Catherine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. With the whole like, let's like kind of forcibly enslave one of like the three people of color in this entire town yeah, thing yeah, it's not a, a the, the racial dynamics here are not very uh, yeah but i'm saying it's great. Catherine's the driving force oh in, sure in yeah. my heart so. <laughs> um yeah so i wrote i thought you were dead i was energy okay so then we go from there wait is there anything else about this that's important what's important is josie walks into the room and this is the first time she sees andrew packard return from the dead andrew who she believes to that she killed with her, her due right. to her own off screen prior to the series machinations. So mm, she walks right. into the room with like a cord of like sticks for sticks. Like firewood or something, I guess, and sees him and immediately faints. And they're all like, Oh, he's uh, like, about, what an entrance. Or like, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I wrote quit being mean to Josie frowny yeah. face in my, yeah. Notes. Yeah. Actually what's funny is I have a frowny face here too, but it's because we cut the Hank. Mm. I'm like, mm, it's all right. So, so th- this scene is actually pretty interesting to me, but please feel free to set up however you, however you. Oh feel. no, you you can go ahead. Okay, so we cut back to the sheriff's office. What happens is Hank. The action of the scene is Hawk is hauling Hank into Harry's office, and Harry is being like, Hank, we got you for real now. I've got a witness that puts you at the scene shooting Leo. Blah blah blah. At first, Hank's like, "Come on, man." He's like, "No, come on, man." Like it's you're going to jail. And Hank's like, "Okay, well, uh, I'm willing to trade info about the murder of Andrew Packard, which is some great dramatic irony since we literally were just talking to him in the previous we're scene." But yeah, yeah. Eggs. But he, and he's like, I, "I know who did it." And Hank's like, "I don't fucking care. You're going to jail." Um, and he's like, well, it's your girlfriend who did it. And I don't think your constituents are going to like that, <laughs> um, which is a pretty good Hank gambit, to be honest. Like, that's very in line with his character. Um, something I love about this scene 
is that he's coming in on crutches all beat to shit presumably because of the whole tussle with uh nadine a couple of episodes ago now um and it's a really interesting moment of continuity here where by both his appearance and the plot points he's bringing up and the reasons he's going to jail, it's tying in so, so much of this show at the same time where it's it brings in the Nadine Ed stuff. It brings in the weird Packard Mill shit. It brings in the, uh, you know, the uh, Hank shooting Leo, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is also attached to Ben Horn and all of that stuff. And it's really, it's, it's, I think it's an interesting view into how even when the show is kind of spinning its wheels with plot points and it's like, oh, why do I care about this? There's still a lot of really meticulous thought into like how all of these things overlap and are demonstrated as being related to each other, which continues to be the show's like strength through season two. Whatever keeps it together is how good of like a little ecosystem of bullshit they have created here <laughs> i like this scene uh because I, I like pink at the scene which is rare for two reasons one i like that he's like so i did a little breaking it's of very funny yeah violating my parole who cares i violated my parole by shooting a guy like not that big of a deal he's an <laughs> asshole he's like, it's like well like, i can't yeah, argue with that so i did it and it's, yeah. like, well, it's like the point is you're not supposed to <laughs> like that's the <laughs> It's like, but then also, like, I like that he's like, you're gonna, you're really gonna send me to jail for shooting Leo. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, well. And you're like, it's like, okay, but also, like, I'm kind of on your side with this. Like, I'm on the uh, side with that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on yeah, the yeah. side with a lot of the other stuff. Yeah. It's just, it's just funny. Like, it's just kind of like, like, you know, Leo sucks. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then we have, hot commit a very rare good instance of police brutality here by uh, <laughs> kicking out uh, Hank's uh, crutch or whatever and he falls yeah. over on his desk he's like oops sorry bro look stop clocks and all that <laughs> got Hank Harry and Hawk in this scene triple H triple H's. Um, it, it. it's important to the 90s yes very 90s uh, we go from here I believe to Albert and Coop. we do yes Albert uh, is like, dude, Josie, like, is guilty. He's like, I'm like 95% sure Josie shot you. And I'm going to be able to prove it 100% within this episode. Yeah, and like, like in, in the next 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And, and Coop is like, quote, I don't take it personally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> His decision is to try to get her to turn herself in because he doesn't want to create additional drama with Harry and stuff like that. And he, right. they, they talk about how, uh, like, Harry, like, if this is going to kill Harry. Like, right. this is very upsetting for him. It, like, I kind of like it. I wrote, he's champing. He's like, Albert was like, let me get her. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> And like I just thought it was so funny how like he's just champing at the bit to get uh to get Josie in jail or whatever. Albert but- Albert wants to make the quota. He wants to put somebody behind bars. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, I know who shot you. She should not be shooting more people. She probably <laughs> shot that guy up in uh up in like fucking Seattle, Seattle or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. She keeps shooting people. It's a problem. <laughs> it, it seems like if we should be doing anything as the FBI, we should probably be stopping people from shooting people. Shooting um, other people. It, it's like 
uh, and you know, Coop for however on the ball supernaturally he often is, uh, he does not seem to have any sort of idea how complex the shit Josie is wrapped up in. He's just sort of like, I'm going to go over there and say, turn yourself in and she's just yeah. going to do it. It's going to be great. He's, he's very much like, but she's my friend's girlfriend. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like Coop, get a grip. Um, yeah, that's basically this scene. From here, this is funny. From here we go to the Great Northern where Audrey is the new concierge and the old concierge who I, I guess is fired because of this or whatever is like fucking hates Audrey and it's awesome. His name is Randy and he's just like angrily stomping around the desk and he's like I'm sure you'll do good bitch <laughs> yeah the the context seems to be she's rotating through jobs at the great northern so she can like learn See them and supervise them eventually or whatever yeah. so he's being temporarily deposed and there's some sort of implication that possibly permanently deposed because she's already making suggestions about maybe you should do this or whatever yeah and he's like the only black man that i think we've seen in twin peaks up to this point and <laughs> yeah. he is so tired of her shit he's just like you you think you're gonna do this job well you're fucking not <laughs> like, like listen spell nepotism for me yeah yeah <laughs> idiot <laughs> um so yeah he's not happy and he's just like well good luck idiot and i love it because he just like hi he hates her and it's so funny because people are usually like you know she she walks around like everyone should be kissing her ass so i think it's very funny. and and many of the characters do kiss her yeah. ass and that's yeah, like so it, it's, it's fun to see to a moment pushing back on that yeah. randy is like i'm not dealing with this bitch i love it it's so funny um and here he is here's the, the aforementioned billy zane now hear me out <laughs> this, this is gonna make sense to me in the way that like do you ever see those tweets that are like i don't know how to explain it but like wednesday october and like no and like the number 17 are all the same or like whatever yeah. like tweets like that but somehow Billy Zane in this role is all of the Vanderpump Rules guys mixed together. <laughs> and I don't know. I'm sorry, Chris. Sorry. So <laughs> I, I, I don't didn't... really know how to explain it or even rationalize it. But to me, like the energy is somehow Sandoval, Schwartzy, and Jax just all in like one Billy Zane. That's not what hit me, but I'm feeling I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down here. Um, what hit me was the vibe I got was Robert Pattinson in the Twilight movies, where he seems to like not be sure how to feel about the material. And he's just sort of mumbling his way through it. You know what I mean? But like, then he'll do a smile like. Yeah, like, yeah. But then like, he'll do a I'm clearly here to be like eye candy charming. or something. So I'll yeah. throw that out there. Yeah. It's like a the energy charming the, smile. Yeah, and, yeah. And I think maybe the charming smile is where the VPR boys are starting to come through yeah god yeah. knows anytime they're in trouble they flash a charming smile that's and... about what they've got that's <laughs> yeah. their yeah. superpower i don't know why but it just struck me and i mean i was on a lot of beds last night <laughs> my bag is really bad so maybe i was just high but like no no i, I, I feel it the energy is there for the sure energy is there next time we we see him on screen kind of like take that into account and see how it feels yeah art <laughs> so, um so yeah, he's there and, okay, listen, here's another thing. This is all just side stuff that has nothing to do with really what's happening, but there's a lady in the background, an old lady. She has an amazing blue vintage dress on, right? And I think she's the same old lady later who has a different amazing vintage dress on. So 
on that. I did not I connect these know. dots. I'm now curious to go back and I, look at it. But. I know Matt usually follows along as we do this. He's going to be scrubbing the footage. Maybe there he'll see it. There is an old lady <laughs> back there. Uh, it, it's, they're just like checking in. It's nothing. But like, I'm like, I want to know this lady's story. Like, did she bring her own vintage dresses to this? Because it's amazing. It was just struck me. And you know, I'm always looking for stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, he's basically like, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know what he's talking about. So he... <laughs> <laughs> so, so Billy Zane walks in and he's like, hi, uh, I'm a charming, mumbling, rich guy with a sort of vague, affected accent. Uh, do you... Oh, uh, wait, that creepy stuff to her. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm... I'm okay. Yeah, I'm going there. Yeah, you um, it up, yeah. Yeah, so, like, he's... His deal is he's like, I'm trying to get somebody... See, I'm so rich, I flew in with my own plane, so I had nobody to bring in my luggage. You need to send somebody out to my plane to bring my luggage in. And Audrey is, like, pissed off about, you know, her... her dad's employee being pissy towards her i guess she's like fumbling with her name tag and stuff she's like whatever fine i'll I'll figure it out and he's like oh god sorry for living and then she's like uh, looks up and like oh he's cute oh okay i'm good at my job now yes i will send somebody to get your bags um and then he's like oh you're audrey horn aren't you and she's like yeah and this is as we lead into what is clearly another go at the Audrey's into an older man uh, bit and <laughs> this is going to come back around later in the episode in another really weird gross way which we'll talk about then but the, the really gross part is what happens here when he's like I recognized you because I have a photo of you when you were 10 years old in a little dirndl skirt and it's like oh, Jesus I, like, I don't yeah, wear yeah I don't wear that he's like you did back then and then <laughs> she's like He's like, oh, you had was... pigtails. Yeah, yeah. And it's like somehow supposed to be like a sort of like connecting moment where she right. is like having this memory dredged up and it's so fucking gross. Like it's <laughs> it just the absolute awful. grossest way that they could have brought this up. Um, and th- again, there's a rhyme to this later that is going to be very funny to bring back up. Uh, it's so, it's so gross. It's basically like she was dressed like Heidi. I think they bring that up. But like. Yes, yeah. Yeah, but it's like dude listen to yourself i have a i have a picture of you when you were 10 that's creepy well and it's like you know with all the you know the backstage goss about like they kind of killed the cooper audrey plot line because like you know there it was the dynamics were sort of uncomfortable like this is not better (laughs) no 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 (laughs) this is what the kids call a lateral move yeah yeah (laughs) at best yeah Possibly uh, even weirder. Yeah. yeah, it might even be weirder. Because <laughs> this guy's a straight, like, uh, it's just weird. He's just like, hi, I'm a rich creep who has a childhood photo of you. It's like, For no what? <laughs> she uh. doesn't even know who this guy is. Uh. Um, Someone did that to me once. They were like, I have, a, a, like, they were like, are you like Pam Carney's daughter? This is on Facebook, like, years mm-hmm. ago. It was this woman, Meg, that I still talk to sometimes. And I was like, yes. And she was like, my mom used to work with your mom. And I have pictures of me holding you. And I was like, that's like, creepy <laughs> god at least she probably wasn't going like and i'm trying to get into your pants no right yeah. This. Yeah. yeah but like but what my point is is like even that was like kind of unsettling. right yeah. like yeah. i don't remember being like two and being held by this woman or whatever yeah. but she did she had pictures of my parents it was cute actually but like but like at first i was like who the fuck are you what is happening so i was okay with it because it was a cute picture of me ultimately but it was still <laughs> right. i looked great in it so <laughs> so fine. I'm so right. that's what matters 
Uh, before okay. we jump away from this scene, Audrey yeah. has also received a piece of mail. And yes. uh, we have a sense of what this probably is based on what we saw going on with uh, Leo and Wyndham in the prior episode. But uh, she opens this up and it has some vague message about meeting up with angels at the roadhouse and it has a torn up piece of abstract weird poetry involved with it yeah it's it's ripped in a way that like you're only getting segments of this supposed right. film and then it's like come to the road at nine thirty, and it's all right whatever like, we're gonna go back to that so it's just so, hmm. um but yeah so from here we go to ed and nadine always always entertaining uh nadine comes home troubled Ned's like, what's the matter? Uh, Ed's like, what's the matter? Nadine's like, listen, Mike and I are in love. And we boned it out all night. And it was awesome. And he's like, all night? <laughs> Which is super fun. <laughs> because we the started- whole night? The entire <laughs> night. Like the, the full night. Like, like when like the sun it went started down. At, <laughs> it started at 7 p.m. And, and ended around 5.30 in the morning. Yeah. yeah. So, um, what we've talked before on the show about how like really problematic the mm. edit storyline is you have like it's clear like they're still having sex even though she's like really kind of <laughs> so brain damaged that she's like is she able to consent but she's also super horny so it's like crazy right. and then she's like seducing mike who's a child right like we often forget that these kids in the show are children they're not even i don't even think any of them are supposed to be 18 yet no. well interesting you bring that up and it's going to come back before the end of this episode but (laughs) um uh, so but but i mean problematic stuff aside you can't help but be kind of charmed by how goofy this is she's like you can be with with norma now it's gonna be great it's okay like he's like okay cool sure but like it's just so earnest she's like yeah holding her books to her chest and she's like eddie it it feels like maybe the best outcome for the problematic scenario that they've set up here because we've spent a lot of audio time Mm -hmm. talking about how strange the blurring of Ed and Nadine's relationship has been uh, over the course of this and this doesn't really help (laughs) because it's clear she conceptualizes that they're supposed to be together but also she's having a relationship with this other guy and she's like now I feel bad about it. Um, There is a pretty funny line where when he comes back with that you did it all night uh, thing she's like well you and Norma did it and he's like yeah well I can't really argue with that <laughs> I got nothing to say to that one um Paul I forget, right, you're right. is it is it confirmed that the thing with Mike and Nadine is really happening and not just in her head like that just a psychosis I, not right here I, I, yeah, yeah exactly uh, <laughs> so, okay okay so yeah, should be continued just we don't we really know. last time we saw Mike and Nadine together he was like leave the fuck alone I do not like <laughs> right right that's what i thought yeah uh so yeah this is this is very like it's vague like yeah like they went away she was like oh on our trip so they went away on like a wrestling like yeah it was like like an overnight (laughs) sort of thing so so what actually happened is not clear but uh but in her they Mm -hmm. all night god bless her (laughs) (laughs) yeah you seduced that child rose Though to be fair, the guy who plays Mike probably like 25 on the show. Yeah, at least. <laughs> so whatever. But uh, but yeah, so there's that. Uh, we're gonna come back to that in a little bit. Um let's see, what did I write here? Jo- okay, we got Coop. Oh, so, so go ahead. 
I couldn't eat them. Fine. Um, so we, we cut in, we're at the Martell residence and uh, Coop, we don't see most of this conversation, but Coop is in the other room with Josie basically being like, listen, we've got the evidence. Just turn yourself in. It's going to be easier for everybody. Just do that. Don't have to make a big show of this. We don't need to whatever the fuck. Um, and Catherine is listening in through the room next door. Uh, Coop really failing the perception check here to notice that. And for a guy who has like a near like <laughs> uh, like supernatural ability right. to see what's going on at some times is really like she's like looking straight in through <laughs> like an internal window of the house just like watching them and he just completely doesn't seem to notice yeah, it, he didn't at all. Notice it. Um, so he bails out and then Catherine comes in and Josie's Josie's really demonstrating like I am completely fucked so like there's yeah. like I, I'm caught for my criminal actions the guy that i thought i killed is still alive <laughs> and in my house the guy that set me up to kill that guy is also back in town and he's probably not happy because i shot the handler he sent to take care of me while i was out here <laughs> um like she's got every single imaginable force bearing there's, down there's on her. no um, there's no good outcome for her it's, yeah. it's like jail uh indentured servitude or like like you know, death or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. Or like with the only, and Catherine kind of sets it up. She's like, the only realistic option for you here is to go back to Thomas Eckert and be like, bro, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? And, Eat the crow, and, yeah. And, yeah. you know, she's obviously does not care at all about manipulating Josie and is even doing so right here. But at the same time, yeah. she's also probably right. It probably is yeah. the only realistic thing that she can do. Yeah. Um, and so she makes a big show of like pulling um, a book out of the bookshelf and finding an old pair of keys. What this really does is reveal a pistol that yeah. the idea is she's giving a, uh, um, Josie this gun so that she'll have something to defend herself with when she goes to meet Thomas Eckert. So right. this is an interesting bit of a play from Catherine, but it's also fucking weird because Josie's just been shooting people. She has a gun somewhere. Like she doesn't <laughs> right. why does she yeah. be given a gun? Like, she has a gun. Like, All right, I mean, cool. <laughs> yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe it makes some sense with you know Albert seeming to be tracing down on her specific weapon but nonetheless uh very to be fair weird. when you shoot an fbi agent you tend to ditch the gun could be could be <laughs> but like but part of the evidence is that she murdered that other guy with it which was after she shot yeah. coop so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know i don't know yeah it's crazy uh she's a mad poor josie poor josie you really feel for her here it's it's she's pretty really tough like because a lot of people in this show are bastards and josie is also a bastard but man is she like is she really paying the price for it in a way that yeah. most of these guys aren't oh, absolutely uh from here okay now listen i'm gonna tell the audience this when i ever saw with ben horn who is who is snapped up for <laughs> nonsense and is in like purple <laughs> workout suit like a what what brand was it that you said chris Gila. Gila. like yeah. uh and he's got like a what looks like a bloody mary but is actually just a cup full of celery uh i instantly thought to myself chris is definitely going to enjoy this <laughs> sure enough 
he tweeted about it like immediately. So <laughs> on that one, fit check. <laughs> the fit is good. Um, so we got fit and spin here eating celery, um, talking. He's got so he's in his office and he's got uh, Jerry and he's got uh, Billy Zane, whose name is yeah. like Jerry. John. His name is, and let's John. get ready for this one, John, John Justice, Justice Wheeler. Wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> the most, you're going to be in three episodes of this show name yeah. ever. <laughs> A name for each episode. <laughs> um, I think they call him Jack, though, don't they? Yeah, I think they do, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, so it's Bobby, uh, Jerry, John, and Audrey. They're all like crammed on a love seat. <laughs> they're, like, they're like basically right on top of each other. Uh, listening. Now, I want to say that John Justice Wheeler, that name reminded me of Constance Justice on 30 Rock. <laughs> <laughs> <Her's> name. <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. Um, and at one point, uh, I'm going to let Chris talk about like the nuances of what he's talking about here. But at one point, he calls Bobby Bob. And mm-hmm. I- don't like that yeah yeah it's when he introduces him he clearly yeah. wants him to seem like a real person so he says bob Briggs." <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> but, but then with it before the end of the scene he's calling him bobby again so <laughs> i don't I, I don't know if that's an intentional bit or like a continuity fuck up or what that mm-hmm. is but it's pretty funny that it's in i there. think it's one of those i do think it's one of those like this is he's a grown-up associate right. and then yeah. just immediately like forgets that yeah yeah and, and that's a very ben horn thing to do so it very well may just be on purpose but um you know as usual uh and i i'm spacing his name as usual as well but the actor who plays ben horn it just eats this scene he just fucking eats it up um he is like you say he's in this tracksuit. he's chomping raw celery jerry <laughs> offers him a scotch and he refuses it he's clearly like i'm out of my mental health episode i am fucking right. on this like early 90s late 80s i'm gonna live forever aerobics kick kind of thing you know richard Um, Bamer. yeah hell yeah um and he's basically laying out this plan where he's like okay so the rights for ghostwood have defaulted back to Catherine by hook and crook and all this other bullshit well guess what she's got an endangered species in there this fucking (laughs) pine tree weasel and we are gonna run a campaign so she can never ever fucking develop that woods and she's gonna sell it off for cheap and then we're gonna take it yeah it's it's, It's actually first of all it the the fitness thing the only thing that would make this more like late 80s early 90s is if he were like jogging in place and like checking his Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a wheat germ this. shake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe one of those one of those ab machines with like the belt that goes around your stomach that's yeah, running. Yeah, you know, yeah, that would yeah. be good. Um, but this is actually really clever because he's like, I will literally fight every yeah. step of this development. Like, like I will find something to fight. And it's like super believable because yeah, and it there fits- are people who would do stuff like this. Like, I found like he doesn't give a fuck about the pine weasel. Right. He's like, it's endangered and we're going to, they're not going to be able to develop on land that holds an endangered species. It's smart. It, yeah. it, and it also Smarter very, than it should be. It very <laughs> much feels like following all the Civil War bullshit. Ben is back. This ben is, is what back. we love. Ben. This is what we love from him. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a light workout sweat upon him and he's back in action. His mind is going. He feels good. His blood is flowing. He's like thinking outside the box. Yeah. 
It's like that episode uh, or the moment in the episode where Leland is suddenly kicked back into lawyer mode. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's very yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very much like that. Yeah, he's crazy and he's like, this is what we're going to do. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Attack the beam he is, as they yeah. say, back on his bullshit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he, even, he even makes a quip here at the end of the scene where uh, I, I think it's Audrey or something says, okay, what what then after we do this like endangered species ploy? And he's like, I think I'm going to run for the Senate. And it's like, (laughs) and it's like, it's, it's obviously like a throwaway anti-politician joke, but it's also like, this is exactly the kind of guy who would do this, Uh who would cynically drum this up and then run for the Senate, you know, like it, it works. It's cheesy, but it absolutely fits. And it works. And uh, when he was like the pine weasel, my Noah's, oh no, penicillin stain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, they do a good job of selling it that way too. No, like, but yeah, because their faces though, all of their faces, like, are, like they're all like, except for, except for John Justice, yeah. real, uh, they're all kind of like have a very brief glimpse of like, oh no. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And then they kind of like regroup, but it's kind of like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, Shit, he's so crazy. All right. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to run for Senate and it's great. <laughs> Oh, then we go to the cafe, one of my favorite places. Um, Norma is on the phone with Annie now. Well, before before we see her on the phone with Annie, we see a trucker who looks suspiciously like Wyndham Earl with like a pillow taped over his stomach. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. and, so, you know, what, what, what could be going on there? Uh, but yes, continue. Uh, Nor- Norma is on the phone with somebody. She's on the phone and she's like, okay, Annie, calm down. Like, I'll see you soon or whatever. And I believe uh, I wrote down who's Annie. Somebody- <laughs> who's Hey, Annie? careful. <laughs> who's careful. Annie? <laughs> no, but that's why I wrote it down because I was like, who's Annie? Who's Annie? Right. Like, like, who's Annie? And it, that's going to come back later if you guys don't know. Yeah. So, so Norma manifested a sister who used to live in a convent <laughs> and is now coming out of that life. Uh, <laughs> wonder if that'll be of any plot significance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Later. The thing here is her sister, her younger sister, is is leaving the convent. Is going to come stay with her, kind of get her life yeah. back on track. I'm not sure how far off track it could be coming from a convent. Yeah. I don't. Uh, but um, she has an interesting line here. She's talking to Shelly, and I love Norma and Shelly together. It's such a nice dynamic. They're just uh, genuinely lovely to watch, and uh, and that remains. And you'll see that that remains. Um, but she says, "I used to think Annie was from another place and time." And you know, you you say that about people sometimes, but this is right. like, notable for reasons we'll see like far later. Yeah. Is notable. It's something something to think about. It's it's kind of like a poignant little like oh because uh, that's going to come back in an interesting way. Uh, like a lot of things Norma says, really. Yeah, uh, yeah really. Norma's a bit of a linchpin in that way. If something comes out of her mouth, you take it seriously. It yeah. means something. Absolutely. Um. So you know, she just kind of described. Okay, she's going to come visit. She's going to come stay with me for a while, and that's great. Um. And. You know, as that mysterious trucker has left, he's left a note for Shelly. And it's similar to the note that was left for Audrey. It's another set of incomprehensible poetry writing, <laughs> like most poetry. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, uh, the same invitation, like, go to the roadhouse at 930. So, um, 
they they have a lampshading conversation here where Shelly's like, hmm, this is interesting. And Norma's right. like, it does seem kind of interesting, but also probably a bad idea to do whatever some strange letter that shows up is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I wrote, I'll have more to say about that later. <laughs> I wrote, Norma thinks it sounds dangerous because she's smart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because again, she's one of the few characters on the show who's like, maybe you should take it seriously. Right. She says yeah, something. Maybe, maybe we should all calm the fuck down for a minute here and think about things. Um, here is a moment that is like one of the more iconic Twin Peaks moments uh, that will someday be echoed again. But um, Ed storms in, <laughs> grabs Norma, and he dips her. And he's fucking like, romance novel cover. It, it was like yeah, yeah. the most like like you could be in the most uh, like we've all been in like a long term relationship at this point, not with each other, <laughs> but. <laughs> And, and the three of us are in a long-term relationship <laughs> with each other. Uh, and and still nothing has come close to how romantic this moment. <laughs> He's like, baby, it's our time. Let's get hitched. And, and then Shelly's face in the oh. scene is it's everybody's face watching this where she's yeah. like oh i shouldn't be seeing this oh but i'm kind of into it but i'm like oh i should be getting out of here but oh <laughs> he does and this is another reason why i love her and norma like together she does this amazing like looks at them like like fuck yeah and does this amazing like shoulder shimmy away like <laughs> bent down to like go around the corner of the but <laughs> But has also got the hint of like a, I don't know about this as well, yeah. you know, like it, it's just the perfect like, yeah, like this is just like the just like the invitation. It's exciting and a little right. dangerous. So yes, we're gonna see what happens with that. But it is, it's like, uh, you know, like that Leo DiCaprio like <laughs> meme of him pointing at the TV. Like that's me. Right. Was- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that moment. Um, we'll see what happens with them. So. From here, we go to, we go from like the greatest characters to like the, are you fucking? <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, you, we go to the middle of the woods where Leo lives with his shock collar <laughs> with Wyndham Earl. And he's whittling. He's whittling. Just Still in the same robe. Still in the same robe. Yeah, just sitting on a stump <laughs> whittling. And um and Wyndham comes in sort of like you know from from the diner so he's still kind of dressed in that garb and talking nonsense and I don't know Chris do you have anything to say about that I, I don't I mean the upshot of the scene is that you know Leo is broken in for whatever the fuck Wyndham has for he him even here. Say he's, yeah he's he's not saying anything he's smiling at Wyndham Earl uh Wyndham is like making this thing of like I'm teaching you to craft arrows this is going to be important for some reason he's like doing poetry he's still in this fucking like trucker getup it's which is pretty funny um I, again, this like, is like one you don't of these... even know anything. You don't even know how to live in the woods. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you don't know how to live in the wilderness. That's pretty fucked up since we live in the wilderness, Leo. Come on, get with it. Leo we don't even know. Leo. We, as the audience, don't even know what mental state Leo is in since he was a vegetable like uh, a couple of episodes ago. So, like, it, it's it's really not clear where Leo is at with all this, and which obviously is the point. But uh, again, it's one of these things where I notice, you know. Uh, Wyndham Earl's 
position in the show is frustrating because there are things that are enjoyable about his character. There are things that are very annoying about what he does to the plot. The performance is incredible. <laughs> it's just a completely yeah, unrestrained yeah. performance yeah. of this absolutely insane character. It's I love to watch character. Like, like <laughs> scene to scene, I love Wyndham Earl. In the overall plot arc of Twin Peaks, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> right, it's, right. it's a really weird uh dynamic that he brings to the show absolutely uh it actually kind of reminds me of the new hellraiser in that like it's like i enjoy a lot of it but then like the overall idea of it i'm like this doesn't really work for me like you know i don't know if you guys saw it but i've not seen it is it just a remake of the first or is it some no sort of... it's like a reimagining but it's also mm. not horny so I'm like i don't get it okay so it's not hellraiser got it yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but like the cenobites are great like there's such good like 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 beats and you're like that's awesome that's awesome that's awesome and then when you look at it as a whole you're like mm, it's kind of like whatever mm, yeah uh, but it's the same sort of idea yeah like scene to scene he's great he brings it a hundred percent it's like the most mediocre stuff and he's like yeah and he's yeah. crushing it yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and and then you look at it from a distance you're like mm. <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so he's like, hey, hey, the girls are getting their letters. Mwahani, like, <laughs> poetry, and, it's, and Leo just smiles at him like a puppy or something. They're, they're like constructing arrows, and that's it. But, I mean, that's pretty much all yeah. that's going on. It's very sharp, so he's happy with Leo's performance. Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, this could definitely kill something. Good job, Leo. <laughs> Great job. Um, from here, we're going uh, to Norma sitting Hank in prison. Uh and she's just like, okay, look, like she was obviously moved by this <laughs> Ed moment because she's like, I want to divorce like right now. <laughs> Sign the paper. <laughs> um, and so he's like, look, I want an alibi. Like they have me for this and I want you to say I was with you. And she's like, I'm not here to like negotiate with you. And he's like, like, so it's like a back and forth sort of like, yeah, you're gonna. He's like, I'm not gonna get to divorce you unless you give me the alibi. This this scene is really interesting to me because it feels like somebody like who was writing on this show got in a time machine and mm-hmm. went forward to like 2012 and read a BuzzFeed listicle that was like, here are the traits of abusive men. And then went yeah. back in time to 91 <laughs> or whatever, and then wrote the scene with those exact bullet points in mind. Right. Um, Hank goes through every stage of the abuser dynamic yeah. thing yeah. here. He starts off going like, dude, you're so right. I'm fucking awful. You should super divorce me. I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to be a better man. And she's like, great. I don't care. I'm divorcing you anyway. He's like, okay, here's my next tactic. Uh, Uh So, uh, you know, actually, you know, they're going to kill me if I go to prison. So I need you to like, do me a favor now um and then you're gonna be fine like i'm gonna let you go and you're doing me a favor and she's like no i'm not doing that and he's like all right listen bitch here's yeah, what's wrong yeah. you know and then like he eventually goes so far to say it's like you're ed's whore and then she has this kind of good line of like mm-hmm. i'd rather be his whore than your husband or whatever your um, wife yeah 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 or yeah, yeah. sorry <laughs> than your husband um but yeah, it's it's that uh, line is so good because he he thinks he's like insulting her. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't fucking care. And She's like, I don't care burn. at all. Um, I it works for me. It's a little heavy handed, but it works, and it definitely it's it's a good representation of the Hank character as he yeah. is. Right, like yeah. he's just gonna throw 
all of these strands of spaghetti at the wall until one of them sticks, yeah. right? He and wants, that's just kind he of wants what will help him, and he doesn't really care. Yeah. How can I like benefit from this? And that's it. That's the, all he really cares about. Like, yeah. I don't think he really loves Norma. Like he's just like, yeah, this is fine. You know, so convenient for him because it gives him a place to go when he gets out of jail, right? Exactly, so yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, so that sort of like ends on that, like I'd rather be his whore than your wife thing. And it's like, ooh, was she? <laughs> but but it does leave us with some doubt of is she gonna get this divorce? Probably not, right? Probably he's not, gonna be an yeah. asshole about it. Yeah, he's gonna be an asshole. So uh from here we go to chess Pete. He's been engaged. Uh, he's and he has this amazing like Grandpa Simpson moment where he's just like chess was invented and yeah yeah so I remember the game between these two in 1914 and as they, was the style like, at the time yeah. um, they literally like say to him like we have five minutes before the Gazette closes like, right. like but but also they're the cops and they do like pull this out later but they're like don't close yet like we need yeah. you to run this so it's like but i also understand like the let's get pete to stop rambling yeah (laughs) and you know they're obviously they have him looking at the the chessboard as it is at this moment between uh windham and coob and they're like what can you do to move where nothing like we don't lose a piece right so so to recap they've kind of figured out that like when a piece gets taken windham earl kills somebody so they're trying to use pete's like supernatural chess smarts to try to put this into a stalemate where like it's going to be very hard for Wyndham Earl to take a piece because Coop is very convinced that he will stick to these self-imposed rules if they uh you know if if they're able to sort of disarm his ability to take pieces from the board. right it'll Mary's delay like, him what's killing stopping him what's stopping him from just killing somebody anyway and Coop's like he's such a man of principles that he wouldn't do that like he just right. So, and Pete's like, whatever Pete does, I don't understand chess, is like, well, you wouldn't lose a piece for at least like five or six moves at this point. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I love chess Pete because he's so into it. He's like, yeah, this is my time to show. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, I, I'm surprised I didn't get Doc Haywood to be there. <laughs> She's like, whatever. Um, so, yeah, so they, they kind of, that kind of just ends like that. Um, now we have from there Josie and Andrew, and uh, all I wrote down was Josie and Andrew. So unfortunately, <laughs> okay. So I'm I'm trying to remember. Sorry, it, refresh my memory. Is before we go to that? Is that when we get the next uh, um, uh, Miguel Ferrer scene, or is that later? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Him. He's just been there with Coop in the um, in the uh, police station. And then they go directly to Josie. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so after the chess move scene, um, um, he calls Coop out of the room and he's like, listen, I've super duper narrowed this down. It's Josie. Like it's super Josie. Um, Josie shot you. Josie shot this other guy. I know it's Josie. I have her gloves at the scene. Right. Oh, like, that's it's, right. It's definitely yeah, yeah, her. Yeah. Um, I told you I was going to bust this open and it just did. You better 
fucking arrest her. And Coop's like, I got it handled. I told her to turn herself in. And he's like, no, I don't think you get it, man. Yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah. And, but as they're in Why the hallway. Why are you the way that you are? Yeah, yeah. Right. As, they're, <laughs> as they're in the hallway arguing about this, Harry comes out yeah. and overhears enough of it that he comes to his own conclusions about it that he's like, fuck, I got to get to her first before yeah. something blows yeah, up here. Yeah. So Harry yeah. races the fuck out of there. Yeah. Um, yeah to get to Josie but then we cut to what is actually happening with Josie right now and she is further getting manipulated uh with Andrew Packard here mm-hmm. right um so let you talk about it. I'm gonna mute myself for a second okay um so the action of this scene is uh Josie is there with Andrew Packard he is basically going look I know you tried to kill me I obviously fucking hated that <laughs> when you tried to kill me. <laughs> yeah. That sucked for me personally. Um, but I've decided I'm over it now. Um, and what I am going to say to you is that I agree with what Catherine is saying. You really need to go to uh, to fucking Thomas Eckert. <laughs> There's too many yeah. like British yeah. guy yeah. names. Um, yeah. You need to go to Thomas Eckert. You need to figure out what his plan is for you because ultimately you did this as a tool of his. He's not going to be satisfied until you return to him. Like, I'm not going to fucking protect you, even if I'm acting generous to you in this moment. So, mm-hmm. like, you got to go. Like, you just got to go. Um, I think this scene is really interesting. It's, it, you know, he's obviously manipulating her to some degree, but it's not super clear how much. It's right. not super clear how much he is or isn't on her side. We know that they were at one point lovers, and he calls her out saying, like, you know, I was in love with you, but yeah. you weren't in love with me. You were doing this as a job for Thomas Eckert. And it's like, you know, it's not super clear to us as the audience what amount of that is true because all of that was previously off screen and what's interesting to me about this plot line is that you know despite how convoluted it is they are finally bringing some of this abstract mill shit like onto the screen and resolving some of the like untied threads that were involved there so i actually really enjoy this scene as you said andrew packard he really eats all of his scenes in this episode right um and he still has another one coming that's also good uh but he's he's good here you get the sense he is wielding his power as knowing more about the situation having the money and it is unclear how much we should trust him or Josie should trust him you know yeah it's like this is this is good character writing even if it is overly convoluted with the sort of all of the plot elements that they've tied into yeah. this it's the first time that any of this mill shit has made any sense to me right yeah yeah so many names yeah. in the air that we don't yeah. know who the fuck they are but now it's like moment. oh wait i see how it fits together yeah yeah, yeah, so, yeah. exactly yeah. oh it's you know how i feel with the mill stuff yeah it's, right it's probably why i didn't write anything down uh yeah. but i do i do agree though he he is so good in each scene in this episode yeah, like, yeah. Look, I know you tried to kill me, and that that was bad. But you know what? <laughs> we all do things that are water under the bridge. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm over it. I want you to be over it. <laughs> Just so good. So, um, okay. So from there, we oh. <laughs> uh, from there we go to this quaint little picnic that like James and Donna person like it's like they're contractually obligated to be in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) This is exactly what it feels like. You crushed it. Yeah, I was sorry, but I was scanning ahead in the wiki uh like description. And when I saw Donna and James, I said, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. You don't forget about her. (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, uh, sorry. No, it's no, but it's like that's the, that's exactly how I felt when yeah. they showed up on the screen. I'm like, really? Uh, they're having this little picnic. <laughs> Donna's basically like, James, go away. Okay, you're under you're underselling how this starts because it just shot it it opens with this shot of Donna just randomly standing around yeah. in the woods near a dirt road <laughs> with nothing around her. It's not clear how she's gotten there. It, it, she's just standing. There's not like a bus stop. You know, there's yeah. no infrastructure. She's just standing there with no visible vehicle. And James pulls up on his motorcycle. And then he's like, uh, hey, uh, so this is where you said to meet up. What's up? And she's like, oh, I've arranged a picnic. And she has a blanket <laughs> out with a bunch of fucking like food mm. and like the fucking like iconic wicker basket right, is out right. there. Yeah, it's like, like, yeah. What is good. this? Like, yeah. <laughs> Actually, the, the picnic itself looks great. It looks yeah. good. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Um, but yeah, she's basically like, James, please just leave Twin Peaks forever. Like you need to go. And I'm just gonna like hang out here. And he's like, no, like let's get married or whatever. But, well, no, it, but it starts with the opposite dynamics and then it goes that way. She's like, all right, we're done with all that crazy shit. I yeah. know you were with that woman who Evelyn, like murdered yeah. her husband and like, it's it's over now. You can be with me. He's like, I don't know, man. And then when he <laughs> says that, she's like, you know what? Get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, she gave him exactly one more chance and he was like, uh, and she was like, "Never mind. No, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm rescinding my offer. Like, get the fuck out of here." She's like, "I'm gonna stay right here." And he's like, "Then I'll come visit." It's like, stop. Just he's like, "I'll super promise to visit someday." And she's like, "Okay, James." She's like, "You just need to like, like, just like see the world or something like <laughs> But it's really just basically like, please go away forever, and and we let's end this. Uh, it's super funny. All I wrote was Donna said, go away, James LMAO. <laughs> yeah. But not before they have one more extremely awkward on-camera makeout. Right. So yeah, let's go for yeah. that. As it fades to black, like they're leaning back and it's clear they're going to fall onto the prop uh, picnic stuff that's there. And as the <laughs> shot fades out, I wonder if like somewhere there's a dat tape with like them falling onto it. Oh, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> all the other way <laughs> god so uh so it's just like the scene is so bizarre because it just comes out of nowhere and it, it just feels rammed into like yeah. to just tie off the end of that yeah. james saga that but, and it it's like fitted in anywhere else it and, and it's like in the middle of this episode it's also like maybe i would have cared about that if that whole plot line didn't suck shit the entire time <laughs> but it did it had nothing to do with anything yeah. it sucked it was weird like i i don't want to be reminded of it i don't want it to be tied off i want to yeah. i want to leave it behind right. it's awful it's just so weird anyway um so <laughs> we go this is an amazing scene for me because we go back to the martell house and pete's like eating dinner at like like the tv like like on a tv tray or whatever mm. and well so no, he's not- like tying flies i think he's got oh, some really he? elaborate things he's got like a tray in front of like, yeah, I, looked, yeah. see, I thought he was eating but either way he's like you know like in the zone right yeah yeah Someone's, that's not what he's doing. It's not even important. It's the fact that someone is knocking on the door and he's so fucking annoyed by it. And it's like the most relatable. That, <laughs> like, because when people knock on my door, I'm like, what the absolute 
fuck. Like, and then, like, he looks over at Catherine, and she's like, I'm not fucking getting up from my seat, <laughs> even though she's got nothing going on. And yeah. Like, <laughs> Which is, like, actually very much like my parents' dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> That's, like, really funny. But, like, to me, it's just, like, just annoyed by the most, like, 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 it's probably not trivial on the other side, but just, like, the, oh, my God, why is somebody, like, encroaching on my moment here? <laughs> by my, It's so funny to me. Um, Pete annoyed at the knock on the door, seemed to be honest. Uh, so many side characters this episode is what I wrote. Um, um, who's at the door? That's what all I, I wrote terrible notes for this. Harry. Episode. Harry's at the oh, door. That's right. He's yeah. here to get Josie. Because <laughs> get guess Josie. what? He just overheard some shit between the FBI agents in the hallway that she might be that's responsible right. for multiple shootings. So he's like, hey, I'm here to collect my criminal girlfriend. Hey, and I'm Catherine, here. And, and <laughs> Catherine been dating is like, and I've heard some stuff. Catherine is like, oh my god, I don't know literally anything about that. She took so much shit and left. Yeah, and then she packed up all of her bags and she just fucking stole my car. I mean, what a jerk, right? Like, didn't say anything about what was going on. And then Harry's like, come on. And they're like, okay, she went to go see Thomas Eckert at the Great Park. What I really like, though, is she tries, she's like, oh my god, she like, just took my car without saying anything. And then, like, Pete's like, she said she was going on some errand. <laughs> like, like, he totally, like, ruins what she was trying to Yeah, do. yeah, yeah. She's like, okay. But first, she packed a lot of stuff. Like, just trying to, like, build on this. Yeah, they, they, they did not even coordinate on the lie. And literally <laughs> the second Harry, like, he, like, does a The Rock eyebrow. And then they're like, okay, you know what? <laughs> she went to see Thomas Eckert yeah. at the hotel. <laughs> it's so funny. I just, like, just they're trying to watch television <laughs> i don't care it's so funny i wrote so many side characters this episode andrew has a great voice um, so we bounce from there to uh thomas packard and andrew in the elevator together. in the elevator and, and this is eckert's revelation that uh Andrew is still alive and so like yeah, you know they, I was. <laughs> yeah he do this he, they do this dramatic thing where they stop the elevator and he's like yeah. oh I'm still alive and Thomas Eckert is like I don't believe in ghosts and Packard's like you fucking wish I was a ghost bitch <laughs> I'm, you tried to kill me and I'm here alive right in front of you <laughs> and I'm sending your murderer girlfriend back to you so maybe you should think about what that means so <laughs> it, it kind of puts into relief this whole thing where he's like Josie you have to go back to Thomas Eckert if you want a chance to, to survive and then he goes to Thomas Eckert and goes hey Josie's coming for you she's probably going to kill you, you know? yeah, yeah. so he's really trying to set up a thing where it's like you know one or both of them is going to die and I'm going to be better off because of <laughs> yeah, it like, either way I'm not going to be affected by whoever that. wins <laughs> I you know, win. the most important thing is they both know I'm still alive and I'm still hilarious yeah. <laughs> But when the when the elevator finally opens, that's when that old lady is back with the dress mm. in the back. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, notable you know, when the elevator opens, Thomas Eckert pops out at the lobby, and then uh, Andrew is like, "Ah, oh, but people still think I'm dead." Okay, so like, try to keep that a secret, man <laughs> who tried to murder me. And then he like puts on the most Clark Kent disguise of right. all time. He just puts on some black framed glasses and is like, sure. "Nobody will know who I am." <laughs> oh, and Colleen, I, I'm sure you appreciated the look. Co- look closer, Thomas. <laughs> look closer, Lenny. <laughs> look closer, Lenny. Homer, <laughs> did you get a haircut or something? <laughs> I love it. Um. 
Yeah, okay. So that whole scene is really good. Like, they both, Andrew is just good in this episode. It's really good. And it's, you know what? It's a hallmark of Twin Peaks that when you put two cranky old dudes in a scene together, it's going to be good. Like, we we see it time and time again with the fucking mayor and his newspaper brother and then these guys and the, it's just always good shit it's always good uh we go from there to dinner i'm oh, sorry to interrupt colleen i just got to the the dress lady i don't actually think it's the same actress well then somebody something is happening. It, it's like the square dance people right like yeah, i, I think yeah be. um yeah, so i think it's a to... i think it's a different woman just I'm to, to, to clarify that yeah yeah thank you for doing that though because <laughs> yeah, yeah. like like the blue dress, I was like, oh, that's a really cool dress. Like, yeah. that, right. But then when it happened again, I was like, oh, what the fuck? But then I was like, well, I'm not going to rewind like the whole thing just to see this like quick moment. You right. Know? Yeah. It, it looks, it yeah, looks so different. Cool. I think. Yeah. All right. So now we're at dinner with Billy Zane, Audrey and Billy Zane. <laughs> Audrey and Ben and John Justice Wheeler are at dinner together. Yeah. I, I don't want to call him that, though. I just want to call him <laughs> But the other name is funny too. It's it's hard to know. It's hard to John know. John right. Justice Wheeler. <laughs> and they are. To, what are they on about? Okay, so basically, what happens here is Ben finally explains why he's brought Billy Zane into the equation, <laughs> which is that he's he's like, listen, here's the deal. I invested in him a long time ago. He built up a bunch of businesses, made bank. He is an expert at buying up dying businesses and making them profitable again and then uh, sending them on their way, usually with a sale. We are fucked right now because of bad decisions I made when I was insane and dealing with criminals. So I am bringing Billy Zane in to help unfuck our business. And that's the deal. And there's there's a really good bit of physical comedy here where he's talking about how part of Billy Zane's deal is he's an expert in environmental issues or something. So it's like, that's why particularly to bring him in with this uh, pine weasel gambit because he's an expert <laughs> in this kind of thing. Kind but when he's stuff. talking about like, and when he leaves the everything is better the environment is stronger the air is cleaner and as he's explaining this he's lighting a cigar at the table (laughs) and then he's like as he's about to say the air is cleaner and then he like immediately puts out the cigar he just lit he's like the air is cleaner it's really funny um and uh then he's immediately called away so that we can get Audrey and Billy Zane to interact extremely awkwardly for what feels like a painful yeah. amount of time. Yeah. Together. yeah. Um, it's not scene. a long scene, but it's like it feels, you feel yeah. every second of it. Um, and a couple things in this bit of the scene for me is like, so the vibe now is a bit more standoffish because Audrey's sort of like, you know, I'm kind of supposed to be the heir to the throne here. I don't, I didn't know who the fuck you were before today. So like, who are you to come in here and like take over the operations and stuff? You know, I'm, I'm the one who's climbing the ladder and so on. And then like, so she's like, where the fuck have you been? If you're such a big fan of my dad and you're so helpful to our family and like you have our best interests at heart. And he has this really corny bit about like, I've been exploring the far corners of the world, blah, blah, blah. And A, I don't know if I'm supposed to interpret this as like he's corny and Audrey Mm -hmm. falls for it because she's young or if I'm supposed to buy it and it 
the writing just sucks. Like yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, and I, and I don't remember if this is clearer as it goes on or not. It might be, but I, I was out to see in the scene about how it's supposed to be feeling about it. Cause I'm yeah. like, I fucking hate this guy, but like, yeah. I don't know that I'm supposed to. And then, <laughs> you know and, and then, sorry, no, no, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. When he says that line, Audrey immediately says, I'm 18 years old. And he says, what does that have to do with anything? And she goes, I don't know. And it is the (laughs) most, like, it is the most, like, I feel like somebody saw the original cut of the episode. And then they were like, if we're going to go through with this Audrey sleeps with an older man plot point, you need to have her say that she's 18 years old. now. Like, it it feels, it is so lampshaded. And like, they straight up don't even have a reason to like reasonably interject it into the conversation. Mm. They explicitly make a point of like, you just said this randomly. And she's like, yeah, yeah like I guess. Point it out. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, it, 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 that wasn't even a line. That was just Billy Zane saying that. Yeah, just be like, what? Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they told me to say I was 18. I don't it's know. Just- it's so <laughs> fucking weird and so uncomfortable. And this it is what I was talking about with that earlier scene where he's all like, I mean, I guess at a stretch, the point is he said earlier, I have this picture of you when you were 10 and she's like, I'm a grown woman now. Like maybe that's what's supposed to be happening here, but the way it's pulled off is so awkward and so hard to parse. Honestly, I think it's probably a mix of the two. Like, like when I was watching it too, I was like, what? Like I said before, like it's, he's kind of bumbling and then he does this like charming smile and stuff. And I'm like, is he supposed to be like, suave and like we're supposed to fall for that or is he just mm-hmm. fucking dork which is just like i think why like the vanderpump rules thing came to mind because they're, yeah, like, yeah. Because they're kind of bold right <laughs> yeah, yeah right yeah, yeah. so like i think part of it is is like we're supposed to buy that he's like kind of a little bit like debonair or whatever and she's just like mm-hmm. like i'm young and i'm i'm not smart enough to realize like he's kind of a, actually like a douchebag or whatever yeah. but also it's not written well Right. So it's yeah. like, yeah. yeah, I think I think it's probably a mix of the two. It's hard to get a read on what Billy Zane is supposed to be doing here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we know Audrey's a bumbling fool, anyway. Like, yeah, towards- and they give Billy Zane a lot of his own like close-ups of like, here's a charming, handsome guy. Right, right. Yeah. And <laughs> you're definitely supposed to think he's like a hot early nineties. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. he is. He's yeah. Not yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, he's all like, oh, I don't know. Like uh, like that kind of weird smile, like smirky smile. Like I don't even know how to do it, but uh, yeah, yeah, like I don't, I don't really know what the point is. I think it was like just just get like a relatively hot early '90s guy here. Yeah, yeah, and and that seems some sort of dynamic with yeah, yeah, with uh, with Audrey. Let's give Audrey something to do, basically. Yeah, and figuratively. (laughs) So, um, I don't, I don't know. I'm not impressed. It's it's so weird. And, and listen, I, I don't think this is a spoiler because I think it's pretty clear from what's happening here that this is the case. Billy Zane is not with us very long in yeah. this show. And yeah. you will never think about him again after he exits the story. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it is just so fucking inconsequential right. in the scheme of things. Not but, not a spoiler to say that at the end of season three, people weren't like, why didn't they bring where was right. Billy Zane? Like, <laughs> like, like why was he there? Other he was buying hair products. Yeah, he was too busy purchasing <laughs> hair potions. To... Incredible. Um. So okay. So from from that awkward scene, we go to the gals. 
Well, yeah. uh, it's Shelly, Audrey, and Donna. Donna has also received a letter. Um, and they're, they've, meet, they've met up at the roadhouse and they're like, oh shit, we all got the same thing. And they're kind of put, putting it together so they can read the terrible poem that like, <laughs> <laughs> it all means. Uh, and they're kind of like, you know, like leaning over and looking at it. And you see Wyndham still <laughs> dressed exactly the same in the back looking sus as fuck <laughs> straight up staring at them like yeah like like <laughs> he's got like a toothpick that he's kind of doing the oral fixation thing right. with. yeah, yeah like, he's like yeah this is gonna go great so like what he's up to is you know we'll discover later on but uh but it's very it's very funny because like they all get a very mysterious letter they put it together it's obviously like a ruse to get them together to get them someplace and they don't look up once to see if maybe somebody who gave them the thing that instructed them to be there at that time looks vicious like in the like the first thing i would do is look around like do i know anyone here like does anyone look like they're trying to tell me something or get me here like they're just like "Ah, that one girl yeah well and the thing that's particularly hard about it for me is that shelly audrey and donna these are three characters who have specifically been at the ass end of some form of abuse, yeah. sexual assault, violent intrigue, etc. at some point in the series up till now. I mean, yeah. it's Shelly, it's more of a matter of her husband is abusive, her boyfriend's kind of an asshole. Okay, fine. Uh, but like... <laughs> You know, Donna was involved in this whole Scooby gang shit of like yeah. trying to solve these murders, this guy that killed himself, etc. And like Audrey literally got kidnapped by a brothel and like drugged right. into being a adult performer for them. And then like, you know, if I were that person and I received a mysterious letter that told me to go to a known sketch location that is owned by known criminals in the community and with a torn up piece of abstract poetry in there, I simply would not go. I mean, yeah, rip to really those wrong. girls, but I'm built different, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't get, like, it, it's in a show full of unbelievable shit. It's like, really? <laughs> like, but also, like, I think, too, like, if they had known, they also got, like, like if Shelly was like, hey donna and she's like i got this weird thing and they were like let's talk to audrey and they all got it right that would make maybe a little more sense like let's all go together and see yeah yeah we can figure out but but the fact that they all went by themselves (laughs) to this like like very sketchy situation and we're like oh hey this is weird like that's just like what are you doing also isn't shelly canonically 19 like let's shut the fucking bar down she got served a beer by one of the renault brothers oh (laughs) yes yeah yeah she is i think she's like the only 19 there's also a small town bar let's let's be real to be fair being funny that's the (laughs) least (laughs) part of the whole scene but (laughs) it's also part of it it's like everything about this is so weird most believable part of the whole episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it might be you're right um okay, especially so. with what's still to come right. <laughs> yeah. so we go from that they're setting that up for something else we're going to come back and kind of stop in a later episode but um we got to coop like <laughs> in like full-on fishing gear like Casting a Practing, yeah, practicing, practicing fly, fly fishing. fishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah like it's yeah. Like fucking a, beautiful. It's, it's like a red, like practice thing. 
he's just like so happy. My man is ready for retirement at yeah. whatever fucking age he's supposed to be here. Living his best life. He's just so happy. I feel like I feel like Coop is always like dressed to go <laughs> like someplace cool and then like something happens. And then something <laughs> happens, he's not able to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so from here, now I might have missed something in between the two, but I then my next note is gunshot. So does he hear the gun? He, he just so, walks down the hallway and hears uh, arguing. He he gets right. a phone call. That is what triggers it. He gets okay, a phone yeah. call from Catherine, of all people, who tips him off. Hey, I, Thomas Eckert is at the Great Northern. And, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Josie's heading there. I bet some bullshit is going to go down. I mean, do we, don't, we, we, do? don't, we don't even hear that conversation. <laughs> it's just Coop picks up the phone. You don't hear Catherine's lines. Like, Catherine, Thomas Eckert, <laughs> the Great Northern. All right, bye. Click. And he runs down the hallway. (laughs) Intrigue, murder. And so he runs down the hall. Here's the gunshot. Busts into the broom. And, you know, we're graded with this tableau where it's not immediately clear what has happened here. They were both apparently rolling. What's that? nor will it be nor will it be it it will never be uh but it's particularly not clear at this moment um both Josie and Thomas Eckert are on the bed um then Thomas gets up but then also has a visible gunshot wound and he kind of does the uh, uh, dramatic stage death thing for again what feels like forever um and then (laughs) Josie gets up and you know if passed out first yeah 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 Yeah. it's weird or like she was trying to seem like maybe she hoped maybe they'll go away i don't know Um, (laughs) i i I will say if it has to be jones exit from the series at least we get one more incredible fashion moment with this like sort of like silky nightdress thing that she's got on pretty good shit she always looks great she always looks great every every episode every scene she looks fantastic yeah um yeah she kind of stands up uh uh She's got a gun. Coop's got a gun. You know, it's it's a standoff. Harry runs in. <laughs> it's like I am sorry, and like she hold. It's kind of like a red herring. She like holds the gun like up to her collarbone, so it almost looks like she's about to like blow her brains out, which is like ah, right. But like instead, she just passes out. Yeah, yeah, just like faints. She's gonna faints yeah. and she's dead. Yeah. Um, yeah, she she passed out, and Harry runs to her, like cradles her, and he's like, "She's dead." Uh and then some crazy shit. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, Harry's like, "Oh God, she's dead," and it's like not really clear why. And then like they kind of disappear, so it's just the bed. And then there's a spotlight, and then Bob comes uh, crawling out from behind the thing, yeah. and he's like, "Ooh, where's Josie?" Ooh, like whatever. Uh, he's screaming. It's actually really effective. It's very creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you have the little man from the red room dancing on the bed. On the bed. Pulling along. Uh, and there's lights. Uh, and then it's like just so out of nowhere. It's like, oh, we're doing this stuff again? Like we yeah. kind of did at the beginning of the, the season. And then it's like. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah it's been a while. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, shit, we're like doing, we're doing the weird shit from season one again. That's fun. Uh. And then, like, you know, like, Coop's just kind of staring at it all. And then, like, it all fades away. And then it's Harry again holding Josie. But then Josie gets, like, (laughs) Josie's face in the dresser drawer knob. Yeah. And then there's an amazing, like, 3D sequence 
like early nineties, yeah, like CGI. a yeah CG shot. Yeah. Yeah, not like that a, bad considering the 90s, era. Like, yeah. like it's stretching a- across her face, like the knob is like the shape of her face screen. Yeah. Some horrible like wood body horror sound effects yeah. while the yeah, face yeah. is stretching like, and stuff. Ass. And then she's in the dresser knob, and I wrote, "What the fuck? Why is this happening?" And then it's the end. That's, yeah. that's it. And yeah. if you're wondering what happened there, well, get ready because we're never gonna talk <laughs> yeah, about yeah. this ever again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this. This is not a spoiler to say this literally never comes back. Yeah, it never comes yeah. back. The there's a, there's, a, a, there's a couple of vague references to Josie's existence that occur later, but yeah. what exactly happened here? No fucking clue. We don't know. It will yeah. never tell us. Um, no. The only thing I've got is that her like kind of sudden death is reminiscent of when Bob leaves Leland and then Mm. he's like, you know, he gives himself that like head injury or whatever, but it's like, he's not actually dead. He's still able to talk about what happened and so forth. And then after that, he suddenly dies. And it's like, so there's this idea of like, is Bob in Josie? And I think (laughs) that I might theoretically have more to say about that in like three or four episodes when we're going to learn a little bit more about, we're going to learn a little bit more about how this shit is supposed to work. Um, right. So I, you know, I, th- I so think there might be, I think there might be something to what happened to Josie here in terms of her dying. That's possible to reverse engineer out of this. And maybe also says a little bit about what her role is in the story. The mm-hmm. doorknob thing, no fucking clue, not yeah. one fucking clue at all. <laughs> yeah, Not it's all. so strange. It's like, is she haunted? Like, is she stuck in the Great Northern? She doesn't really have like too much of a connection with it. Yeah, like, I mean, so, it's like, so there it is really there is a persistent connection with the Great Northern as a place where strange and violent things happen, right. and that and has right. been clear throughout and, the series. Yeah. And I don't think it's a spoiler to say we will see more strange and violent things happen at the Great Northern as the series goes on. Right. So I think maybe in a general sense, there's a part of she is a part of this whatever the fuck is going on in this location. Uh, and again, that's something even in a couple episodes we're going to know a little bit more about than we do now. Um, right. So I don't think it's like completely without thought or feeling. But in terms of like, huh, what happened with that? No idea. No, no the clue. And is not know. great, and yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's not really like it's not a spoiler because nothing ha- like you know uh, some people were sort of like I wonder if the third season will kind of bring right. back and like explore that, and unfortunately it didn't. And uh, I think out of all the characters that didn't get re-explored in season three, uh, the Josie one is the one I kind of am like saddest about because I right. would have liked for her to be a little bit more than just like oh everyone used me and i was like trapped in these like awful like parasocial ships uh with like one person who was like the nicest and then like everybody else was just like using me for like and like i was a pawn and and it was gross and bad and then i died and then i became a dresser doorknob (laughs) like what um it's a little like kind of I mean, there could be something very, very general to say about, you know, Twin Peaks ultimate fixation and you see it with Laura Palmer as the central character Mm -hmm. and you see it with Maddie 
as sort of the reincarnation of Laura Palmer. And you see it with Wyndham Earl's Angels. We don't know what's going on with that yet, but we can probably have a sense of where it might be going. Um, Is that the core of the series is about the sort of, you know, the weird social norms around violence against women and the way that they are portrayed as a result of that, you know, semi-allowable social violence against women that we have that like, you know, I, Josie is ultimately a part of that, right? And right. maybe her being a part of, you know, the most iconic setting of the series is part of that. Like she's part yeah. of that fabric. Um, I don't even know that that much thought went into whatever yeah. the fuck that was at the end of that episode. <laughs> but I, I'm willing to say that you know she's she's a link in that chain, right? Yeah. Um, ha- however, we feel like this particular moment is pulled off. I will say that um, that I have never actually like gone the extra step into looking at like what other people think of what happened there. It's kind of just like people are like, yeah, that was so weird, huh? And then like, I've never gone on to see, I'm sure there's been stuff written about it and I just haven't sought it out. So maybe I will do that. Yeah, I, I'd be interested. I Having read the official shit written, the right. canon shit, there's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. fucking yeah. nothing. Like, <laughs> So it was like there's so much weird shit that we didn't need an explanation for that we will <laughs> yeah. ultimately get an explanation yeah. for. And Josie, it's nowhere. It's fucking yeah, gone. <laughs> like so maybe what I'll do is maybe I'll look into that for like the next time and then we can like chat about it a little if I find anything. Or if I don't, I could just say I didn't find anything, but we can bring it the up. The only later. thing that I because I kind of did some pre-exploration just like out of curiosity, because I knew this was the episode coming up and I've I've never seen this moment, but I've heard so much about it. Mm-hmm. And that there's some connection between the there's an area of the woods I forget exactly what it's called where it's like the idea that the trees are trapped souls or something and that the fan theory or whatever maybe this is somewhere in the supplemental stuff is that those trees get cut down to build the great northern so there's this connection between like souls getting trapped in wood in like a like within a natural environment right and the northern and being that a part of that. That's the best yeah. that I've seen anyone come up with because everyone else is just like, I got no fucking idea. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. that ties into stuff and we're going to hear a little bit more about that as stuff goes And the log lady with the, the you know, log the, lady, the, log, yeah. the obsession with the lumber plant as like yeah. a sort of central yeah. element of the story and always mm. in the intro and everything. So it's like, you know, that's that could be something. I don't know. Right. <laughs> it, it all sounds like, like uh, you know, headcanon. Right, uh, right. But it's, it's workable like, headcanon, I guess, head if cannon. you have to have something, yeah. you know? Sure. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, poor Josie. She poor Josie. Better. <laughs> of course, yeah. I mean, well, I think I'll, I think ultimately if it communicates anything, it communicates her being just sort of trapped in yeah. like arbitrary circumstances, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, she's ultimately a pawn in multiple mm-hmm. rich white people's game, and yeah. she dies as a result of that game, you yeah. know? Um, and so I think that that's uh, that as much as anything is a takeaway there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because so, that last image of the uh, uh, that plays over the credits or with the credits plays over where uh, her mouth like goes back and forth and it literally goes forward. She's just in like this forever scream, right? right. Yeah. You know? So yeah, she's just trapped permanently, you know. <laughs> in, in a dresser drawer. <laughs> yeah, <No>. well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like about like the wall would have made sense. It's like right, the, right. The location is so bizarre. Yeah, like it'd be like a yellow wallpaper kind of thing, right? But yeah, it, yeah, that yeah. makes sense mm-hmm. to me. And then you have like a bunch of like literary stuff that like backs that up. It's right. So, anyway. 
so yeah, that's the episode. So uh, apparently Josie is most likely the condemned woman. Uh, I would guess so, yeah. For once these condemned. German titles actually make sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, that's that. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. I, I do want to say as a bit of a summary oh. moment, uh, this, and we talked about this a little bit before we got into the episode in earnest, I think even before we were on mic, but uh, this is a very, like, you can feel the series is trying to get out of the rut here. And it's yeah. like starting yeah, yeah. to happen. You're starting to see some forever dangling shit from the mill stuff actually appear on screen and achieve some form of resolution. I mean, even taking Josie off the board in a way solves yeah. part of the problem yeah. with where she's involved in like 17 different conspiracy theories. <laughs> right. And like, so to see there be some termination to that, yeah. even if it's sad, uh, it, it does something. It feels in terms like of moving along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It went down easy. It, but, it yeah, was the, a good watch. Bills are yeah. turning. Um, it's also bringing some resolution to shit from like Coop getting shot at the end of season one. I mean, yeah. that, God, that was forever ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, right? So yeah. like, it's bringing some things back around in a way that makes sense. And but then there's also still shit like the Billy Zane stuff that it's like it's just there, and it's like, why are we doing this? So it's like yeah. that. Yeah. It's it's really in a space in between where it's like we're starting to get back on the tracks but we're not all the way there yet <laughs> you can probably see them thinking at this point well are we going to have another season or not right because you yeah. can kind of see yes. that you know so maybe the billy zane would have been part of something and and in a couple episodes they realized I, I no think, adc I, is not giving us more time yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I <laughs> having a little bit of foreknowledge of the Billy Zane Fair plot enough. point, there's there's really not much right. there. <laughs> but yeah, I think in general, you're right. I think that might be a motivating factor for like, oh, we need to unfuck some of this stuff right. so that we have a complete story to tell by the yeah. end of year. Yeah. So like when the season ends, if we don't come back, it's it's ended. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we did all those times. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, is there any producer Matt stuff? Yes, yes, there is a producer's <laughs> corner, uh, which uh, does uh, is about Josie, actually. So as we've already said, she's not going to come back for the return season, and, and everyone was hoping. You will and... see her, but it's a flashback moment. Oh, fair point. Okay. But the point is, Joan Chen does not you like reappear, and one of the people who really wanted Joan Chen to reappear was Joan Chen. And she actually yeah. wrote a letter. Maybe you guys already know this. She wrote a letter to David Lynch, like basically begging to be a part of the return season. Um, and let me read the letter, which she writes in the character of Josie. All right. She is writing as Josie. And I got to say, what she's written is better than any line they ever gave Josie during this series. <laughs> I so, believe that. Yeah. yeah. So, dear David, I write to you from the wooden drawer knob in which I've been trapped for the past two decades, yearning restlessly for an escape. I hear voices whispering the rumor of a return to my body, and I implore you, O creator, to let me come back. It seems that the possibilities of who I shall become are as infinite as your fecund imagination. From my obelette within the chest of drawers, I can sometimes see bodies fumbling, sweating, and convulsing with lust, and I long for my physical form, once strong and lithe, now old and shriveled, or perhaps plump and fertile with age, like a rose hip to a rose. Oftentimes I think of Judy, my twin sister. I imagine her wandering drunkenly into the room, holding the drawers which imprisoned me, incinerating suddenly due to the sheer volume and flammability of the alcohol in her veins. In my mind's eye, I see her burning. I admire the bright color of the flames spreading to the drawers, the air breathing back the energy that was once her spirit. 
we can inhabit one body together, just as we had done as mere cells in our mother's womb. Once again, our two souls could crowd one vessel, forcing us to struggle for dominance, for space, for existence. Josie, I see your face. And this time, finally, it could be mine. Or could it? Is my being invades Judy's body like a parasite? Would the physical universe overwhelm me? Would the exhale of a housefly compound into dissonant chords, lunging anguished and unrestrained at my eardrums? Would each microbe terrify me, leave me with nowhere to hide, nowhere to run from the insolent bubbling of nature in its purest form, like petri dishes pungent with light, proliferating perpetually, bursting with unbridled being? Or would all the living things on earth pale in comparison to the countless lost souls caught between worlds, their cries trilling chromatically enchantingly in ways that are neither human nor holy? Do you hear me now? As a rustling in the curtains, a murmur in the crowd, an echo without an origin, my time in purgatory has been served, don't you think? It is time I at least get to meet my maker one last time. Yours, Josie. Now that is an impassioned plea. <laughs> that so, itself. so that's sort of interesting, um, especially her theorizing of what Judy represents, because mm -hmm. you will see Judy and you're not going to like it. <laughs> you, you are not going to like that. Uh, but you and will if you see think it. Judy looks like Joan Chen, <laughs> sorry to, sorry to the boy. Uh, yeah. Oh my God, David, how could you not bring her back? I'm they have like him and Mark Frost both have like really arbitrary like yeah. uh, ideas of what does and doesn't constitute a reasonable like choice within the narrative. Like I, I right. remember this is jumping ahead, so mild spoiler warning here. Mm -hmm. uh, but following firewalk with me there was also a question of whether chris isaac's character would show up again mm -hmm. and mark frost straight up said we couldn't figure out how to get him back from where we sent him that's what and they said about josie yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and but fine <laughs> but you're gonna see so much right bullshit. <laughs> You're gonna like, see like, what happened with David Bowie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Are, are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you see that one, you're gonna be like, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Oh man. And of course, as we know, I'm a huge Chris Isaac fan. So yeah. I was a little disappointed that yeah. he was in the return. So what a wicked <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> um. So and is there anything else? That's it. That's it. That, there's literally knowledge. nothing else to say about yeah. this. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, just we talked little... for twice as long as the fucking episode. <laughs> I, I know, I know. <laughs> All right, well then we will sign off and we will be back eventually. I am one of your hosts, Pauline Kuntner. Uh I'm your other host, Chris Pruitt. Producer Matt. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.